Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, I'm Stephen Devincenzi. Today, we have a special bonus episode of Sense 7 Simple English News Daily, to cover the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We'll look quickly at what happened before the war started, go through a timeline of the most important events of the past year, and then look at some possibilities for the future of the war. This podcast is free, However, it is supported by some fantastic and generous contributors. Our supporters also have access to the transcripts of every episode, including this one. To become a supporter, go to send7.org. This is Send7, One Year in Ukraine. Before the large-scale invasion... The history of Ukraine and its relationship to Russia is long and complicated. However, Ukraine was a part of the Soviet Union from 1922 until 1991. In 1991, there was a referendum in which 92% of people supported Ukraine's independence. All regions of Ukraine supported Ukraine's independence, including places where Russian is the most common language, such as Crimea, Donetsk, Luhansk, and Kherson. In 2013, there were large protests after President Viktor Yanukovych decided not to sign a partnership agreement with the European Union and showed a desire to become closer to Russia instead. In early 2014, these protests led to Yanukovych leaving for Russia and Parliament voted that he had effectively resigned. This is known as the Euromaidan Revolution. However, supporters of Yanukovych and Russia described this as a coup. For the next two months, there were some pro-Russian protests in parts of eastern and southern Ukraine. During this time, Russia invaded the peninsula of Crimea without officially announcing it, and a combination of Russian and pro-Russian forces took control of Crimea's state institutions. Crimea has been controlled by Russia since then, and Russia claims that Crimea is today a part of Russia, although only eight countries have recognised this, and they are all generally considered dictatorships. Many countries placed sanctions on Russia for annexing Crimea. Also in 2014, pro-Russian separatists in Donetsk and Luhansk regions, known together as the Donbass, took control of government buildings. Russia has continued to supply weapons to these separatists since 2014, and many Russians travelled to the area to fight for the Russian separatists. On July 17th, 2014, Russian separatist forces shot down a passenger plane flying from the Netherlands to Malaysia 
using a rocket that was transported from Russia on the same day. 298 people died, most of whom were Dutch. Over the eight years between 2014 and 2022, around 14,000 people were killed, including over 3,000 civilians. Although this number is high, it is very small compared to the amount of people killed since Russia started its full-scale invasion of Ukraine on the 24th of February 2022. On the 24th of February 2022, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a special military operation in Ukraine, saying that the aim was to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. Putin also questioned Ukraine's right to exist as a country, said that Ukraine was committing a genocide against ethnic Russians in Ukraine, and said that Ukraine was planning to join NATO and was planning to attack Russia. Putin said that he did not plan to occupy Ukraine. Putin said that anyone who tries to stop Russia's military operation in Ukraine would face the most severe consequences that they have ever seen. Minutes after Putin's speech ended, Russia used missiles and rockets to attack all areas of Ukraine, including both military and civilian infrastructure. Russian military vehicles entered Ukraine from the north, from Belarus and Russia, from the northeast and the east, from Russia, and from the south, from the occupied Ukrainian region of Crimea. Deaths of civilians were reported from missile strikes in many places. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres pleaded with Putin to return his soldiers to Russia. The saddest moment in my tenure as Secretary General of the United Nations. President Putin, in the name of humanity, bring your troops back to Russia. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky ordered a general mobilization and many thousands of Ukrainians volunteered to join territorial defense groups. Zelensky said that weapons will be given to anyone who wants them. Two days later, Interior Minister Denis Monastsky said that 25,000 rifles had been given to civilians. Most military analysts agree that Russia did not expect Ukraine to fight back, or fight back so effectively, and it is believed that United States military intelligence expected Ukraine's government to collapse and for Russia to win the war within three days. However, in all areas, Ukrainian soldiers and civilians fought back. The United States offered to take President Zelensky out of Ukraine. However, he said, I need ammunition, not a ride. Many countries immediately offered support and sent weapons to Ukraine, including Germany and Sweden, who had not given weapons to another country since World War II, Around the world, there were huge protests against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. During the rest of February, there was intense fighting throughout Ukraine, and Russia captured some areas, including the city of Kherson in the south, and many towns and villages in the north, east and south. Most analysis expects that Russia 
used around 190,000 soldiers to invade Ukraine in February. In March, Russian forces conquered more land in southern Ukraine, including the city of Melitopol in the Zaporizhia region, and moved towards the city of Mykolaiv. However, they were not able to capture Mykolaiv. In Mykolaiv, civilians were killed by Russian cluster bombs, a type of weapon which has been banned in some international treaties because of its danger to civilians. Around Kiev, long columns of Russian tanks and vehicles were moving very slowly towards Kiev, and small groups of Ukrainian forces were able to destroy many of them. There were reports of low morale in Russian soldiers, with some captured Russians saying that they didn't understand why they were in Ukraine. By the end of March, Russia controlled over 25% of Ukraine. However, at the end of March and in the first days of April, Russian forces retreated from Kiev and northern Ukraine in general. In the city of Kherson, Ukrainians protested against Russia's military occupation, but some protesters were arrested, tortured and killed by Russian soldiers. In April, Russian war crimes were discovered in the areas north of Kiev, including mass graves near Irpin and many dead civilians in the town of Bucha. Journalists from around the world and a team of French forensic experts confirmed that Russian soldiers had executed Ukrainian civilians. Survivors reported being held in basements, and women and girls reported being raped. They also said that Russian soldiers were often drunk. Russia described the Bucha massacre as fake news. On April the 8th, a Russian missile hit a train station in the eastern city of Kramatorsk, killing at least 57 civilians. On April the 14th, the Moskva, the flagship of Russia's Black Sea Fleet, sank after Ukraine said that it had hit it with two missiles. This was the largest Russian ship lost during war since World War II, and the biggest ship to be sunk in combat anywhere in the world since 1982. Throughout March and April, the southern city of Mariupol was completely surrounded by Russian forces, and the city was constantly bombed and hit with missiles. According to Ukraine, 25,000 civilians were killed in Mariupol, and the United Nations said that 90% of residential buildings were either damaged or destroyed. Russia finally conquered all of Mariupol on the 20th of May, when soldiers of Ukraine's Azov regiment surrendered from the Azovstal steel factory, where they had been hiding for a month. In May, after three months of heavy bombardment, Russian forces retreated from around the city of Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city. However, Russia still controlled around half of the Kharkiv region. Kharkiv has continued to be hit by missiles until today. In June and July, Russian forces conquered the cities of Severodonetsk and Lysychansk in the Luhansk region. Six months later, this remains the last significant advance of the Russian army in Ukraine. 
On the 9th of July, a Russian missile hit an apartment building in Chazivyar, near Bakhmut, which killed at least 48 people, and a missile strike on Vinitsia in western Ukraine on the 14th of July killed 26 people. At the end of July, Ukraine and Russia signed the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which allowed Ukraine to export grain and other food products by sea for the first time since the start of the invasion. On the 29th of July, 50 Ukrainian prisoners of war were killed in explosions at a Russian prison in the occupied Donetsk region. Ukraine said that this was a war crime, with Russia killing prisoners. However, Russia said that the prison was hit by Ukrainian missiles. In August, Ukraine started heavily using the American HIMARS rocket system to hit Russian targets in occupied Ukraine. The International Atomic Energy Agency said that they were concerned about a nuclear disaster occurring at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, which Russian soldiers have occupied since March. The IAEA confirmed that Russia was using the nuclear plant to store military trucks and vehicles. In September, Ukrainian forces launched a fast counter-offensive in the Kharkiv region, recapturing almost all of the region within a few weeks. Military analysts considered this a rout, which is when an army has to retreat quickly and in an unorganised way. Around 500 settlements and 12,000 square kilometres of territory were recaptured, including small parts of Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Possibly as a retaliation for Ukraine's success, Russia launched many missiles at the Kharkiv region on the 11th of September, cutting electricity and water supplies for millions of people. On the 21st of September, Putin ordered a partial mobilisation of military reservists, calling for around 300,000 people to be sent to fight in Ukraine. It is believed that between 500,000 and 700,000 men have escaped Russia in order to avoid mobilisation. In late September, Russia staged referendums in four occupied regions of Ukraine, which were described as shams and fake by many countries, and the United Nations said that they violate international law. Another referendum was planned for the Kharkiv region, however this was cancelled after Ukraine recaptured almost all of the region. On the 30th of September, Putin declared that the Ukrainian regions of Kherson, Luhansk, Donetsk and Zaporizhia were now a part of Russia, despite Russia not controlling any of them entirely. On the same day, Russian missiles hit a civilian convoy of vehicles in the part of Zaporizhia that Russia did not occupy, killing 32 people. On October the 8th, there was an explosion on the Kirsch Bridge, which connects Russia to the occupied territory of Crimea. Ukrainian special forces claimed responsibility for the attack, which was seen as an embarrassment to Putin, who had opened the bridge in 2018, and was hundreds of kilometres from the front lines. 
Since October, Russia has conducted massive missile and drone attacks throughout Ukraine, targeting civilian infrastructure, particularly electricity and water infrastructure. The attacks have come in waves, around 10 days apart. There have been many periods in which millions of people have lost electricity and water connections. Amnesty International has described these attacks on civilian infrastructure as war crimes. Between October and November, Ukrainian forces recaptured all of its territory in the Mykolaiv region and large parts of the Kherson region, which had been under Russian occupation for eight months. On the 11th of November, the Ukrainian army entered the city of Kherson and there were large celebrations in the city. Since November, there have not been any major changes to the territory controlled by Ukraine or Russia. Russian forces, particularly the Wagner Private Military Company, have been trying to capture the city of Bakhmut in the Donetsk region since August. Many countries promised to give Ukraine air defence systems to help Ukraine defend its cities from Russian missiles and drone attacks. On December the 20th, Zelensky visited soldiers in the Bakhmut area, and on December the 21st, Zelensky visited the United States for 10 hours, leaving Ukraine for the first time since the invasion began. He gave the US Congress a Ukrainian flag signed by the Ukrainian soldiers fighting in Bakhmut that he had met the day before. On December the 22nd, Putin was heard referring to the war in Ukraine as a war, which is considered a crime due to censorship laws signed in March. On the 1st of January 2023, Ukraine said that it had used HIMARS rockets to hit an army barracks in the occupied Donetsk region, and that it had killed 400 Russian soldiers in the strike. In early January, the Wagner Group captured the town of Solodar near Bakhmut. On the 14th of January, a Russian missile hit an apartment building in the central Ukrainian city of Dnipro, killing at least 46 people. On the same day, the United Kingdom said that it would give Challenger 2 tanks to Ukraine, which was followed a few weeks later by many other countries starting to offer modern main battle tanks. In February, the Institute for the Study of War said that it believed that Russia had started its next major offensive. However, it has not gained any noticeable territory from this offensive yet. On the 20th of February, US President Joe Biden made an unannounced visit to Kiev, where he met Zelensky. It is said to be the first time a US president has visited an active conflict zone not controlled by the US military for over a hundred years. Yesterday was the 24th of February 2023, the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. There were tributes around the world, with pro-Ukraine marches in many cities. Buildings such as France's Eiffel Tower and Italy's Colosseum were lit in blue and yellow. 
In a speech, Zelensky said that the 24th of February 2022 was the longest day in the modern history of Ukraine, and said that since then, almost everyone has a contact in their phone book who will never again pick up the phone. More than 30 countries have put sanctions on Russia since it invaded Ukraine last year. Many companies and organisations have voluntarily left Russia. Around half of the world's countries have provided humanitarian support to Ukraine. 35 countries are known to have provided lethal military aid to Ukraine, with another 10 countries providing non-lethal military aid. In total, the United States is by far the country that has given Ukraine the most military aid. However, compared to the size of the economy, Poland, Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia have given the most. Estonia has given more than 1% of its GDP to Ukraine in military support, which is more than what many countries spend on their own militaries. Since February last year, over 8 million Ukrainians have left Ukraine as refugees, and another 8 million have been displaced within Ukraine. This is the largest refugee crisis in Europe since World War II, and anywhere in the world since the partition of India in 1947. The countries that have received the most refugees are Poland, Germany and Czechia, with Moldova, Romania and Slovakia also taking many compared to their size. Russia has also registered millions of Ukrainians as entering Russia, however it is difficult to confirm these numbers, and there are many reports of people being deported from occupied areas of Ukraine into Russia against their will. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. The future of the war in Ukraine is very difficult to predict. Neither the government of Ukraine nor Russia are interested in starting peace talks right now. Because Russia does not control large parts of the territory that it has now declared are part of Russia, it is not possible for Putin to declare victory. Zelensky has said that Ukraine will not accept any peace deal in which Russia is given parts of Ukraine, and most opinion polls show that around 90% of Ukrainians agree with this. That means that even the most simple peace deal, one in which Russia only keeps the parts of Ukraine that it controls today, is not acceptable by either Ukraine or Russia. For Russia to win this war, is also difficult to imagine today, and it is not clear what winning would be. It is clear that Putin originally wanted to conquer the whole of Ukraine and install a pro-Russian government, because Russian forces originally entered Ukraine from all sides 
and Putin spoke about removing the Nazi government. Today, a victory for Russia would probably have to be at a minimum capturing the Donbass region of Donetsk and Luhansk. However, this would still leave parts of Kherson and Zaporizhia out of Russia's control, despite them officially being a part of Russia, according to Putin's government. Russia has hundreds of thousands more reserve soldiers who will probably be sent to fight in Ukraine this year. However, Western intelligence says that Russia is probably losing around a thousand soldiers a day right now to capture only small parts of land, and Russia has lost a lot of its equipment and strongest fighters over the last year. For Ukraine to win the war is probably easier to imagine, however it is still not clear exactly what that would be either. Although Ukraine has many countries supporting it with weapons, there are still many people in those countries who think that recapturing Crimea would be one step too far. If there is some kind of revolution in Russia, it is much more likely that we will see Ukraine regaining all of its lost territory, which today is about 18% of Ukrainian land. Probably the scariest outcome of this war is the use of nuclear weapons by Russia. However, many analysts say that even this is not likely because using nuclear weapons in Ukraine is not very likely to strategically help Russia beat Ukraine, and is likely to cut off Russia even more from the rest of the world. Because neither Ukraine nor Russia can accept the current geography of control, and because neither side has the ability to easily capture more land, the end of this war is not in sight. That is the end of this bonus episode of Simple English News Daily. We will continue to bring you updates from Ukraine and from everywhere in the world, Monday to Friday, in just seven minutes. If you appreciate our work, and if you'd like to have access to the transcripts of all episodes, including this one, then you can become a supporter at send7.org. I'm Stephen Devincenzi. Thank you for listening. See you on Monday. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.